Hi listeners, welcome back to the Novel Hand podcast. I'm Grace, and this week I sat down with Alexis Cook, Vanderbilt alum from the class of 2018 and co-founder of Unlocked. Unlocked is a Nashville-based jewelry brand which employs homeless Nashville women to produce ethical, sustainable, and beautiful jewelry. Founded in 2018, Unlocked has managed to thrive as a social enterprise and offer a comprehensive transitional program called Pathways, which offers housing, employment, mental health care, financial literacy, and a living wage to their makers. Keep listening to learn more about this incredible business from Alexis herself. So I've read a bit about how you decided, you know, to, to take the initiative to create Unlocked and about your vision for the company. Um, but for the Novel Hand audience that may not have as much familiarity with Unlocked and your mission, could you explain, explain kind of what drove you to co-found Unlocked along with um, your fellow Vanderbilt alum, Corbin Hooker? Yeah, um, this is a bit of a story. There's not like a super short version, but I'll give you kind of the SparkNotes version. So as you know, I'm a Nashville native and um, the end of my sophomore year, I guess, at Vanderbilt, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And so I had to take a medical leave of absence. And during that time, just felt called to start walking around downtown Nashville and befriending people experiencing homelessness. Um, I had volunteered a pretty decent amount in high school and definitely in the other two years of college um, with different organizations that serve people experiencing homelessness. But I wanted to just take the time when I was doing absolutely nothing and like really get to know some of the people that I had been like supposedly serving. Um, and through some of those conversations and really genuine friendships that I keep up even today, um, I started thinking like there should be a company that provides wages while addressing barriers that people experiencing homelessness face. Um, I think there's a lot of amazing, I'll just like caveat this, a lot of amazing organizations in Nashville already that do incredible things. But I, I think there are very few that have like a full spectrum of resources, um, especially with employment as one of the top priorities. Um, and so that was really what I was interested in. And then just randomly was visiting Vanderbilt that same semester to see friends and got locked out of my car. And so I was waiting on my mom to come with a spare set of keys. And in that time, um, when I'm like the guys that I had known freshman year, I wouldn't even call them like a friend necessarily, but someone I'd known um, walked by and was like, hey, I heard you're out of school. Like, tell me what's going on. So I started talking about all these new friends that I've been making, just like wandering downtown Nashville. Um, and in like the 45 minutes, I guess it took for my mom to arrive, we made like a rough business plan. Um, and so that was obviously Corbin, um, Corbin Hooker. And so we started meeting up once a week. And by the time I came back to school that following semester, um, we became more and more serious about potentially starting some sort of, you know, business. Um, and we entered a pitch contest at Vanderbilt called vines which was like a pretty low pressure i would say like pitch contest um but we ended up winning that and we were surprised honestly um but got a few like mentors out of that and then the end of our junior year was when you're really supposed to decide like what you want to do with your life supposedly um and so that was when i started like really fasting and praying about like what i want to do and like if this company was going to be something it was unnamed at the time it was just like an idea still um, and around that time, one of my really good friends was a guy named Ray, who I'd met my freshman year at Vandy while volunteering at, um, transitional home. And so he called and, um, was like, Alexis, you need to come to the hospital. I'm, I'm dying. And so, um, yeah. in in this kind of weird turn of events, I go and spend time with Ray, who was really like my adopted grandpa. Um, we had spent a lot of time together. Um, I was his power of attorney. I had already known he was really sick with cancer. Um, anyway, and so at the end of that conversation, he's like, actually, I wanted you to know, 
I have this storage unit and in the unit, I have a duffel bag of money. And whenever I pass, I want you to have it. Um, and so in this interesting turn of events, a man who literally like didn't even own a mattress became the primary investor in a company to employ other people experiencing homelessness. Um, so it just felt like kind of the full circle answer that I was asking for. And so Corbin and I decided to go full time whenever we graduated Vandy, which was August of 2018. Um, yeah. And we've been going at it full time ever since. That's phenomenal. I love <laughs> all the little coincidences that made that story happen. Yeah. It's, it's still weird, honestly, to think back on it. Um, and the truth is that's like the, the brief story I tell, but there's even more like small nuances that are interesting and just confirmation that I feel like it was supposed to happen at the time it did. Yeah. So, you know, obviously this is something that took a lot of time to plan and prepare for. Um, and I'm sure you encountered surprises along the way. So what are some of the challenges that were associated with starting an ethical small business like Unlocked? And how did you overcome any potential doubts that you had about the future trajectory of your business? Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, I'll start with the latter half. I think the truth is, I don't know that I ever did overcome all of the like doubts, you know, it's just kind of like continuing to work through even now. Um, and I think that's like kind of the dirty secret of entrepreneurship that you don't really hear is that like, it feels to some extent like every day you have to choose to like continue doing it. Even whenever things are going really well and you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is like actually happening. You know, like even then you're like, is this going to work? Or like, am I good enough to do this? Or, you know, like all these different questions about everything, especially, you know, being right out of college and being like, we don't have the, you know, whatever the experience necessary to do all this. And you just kind of like go for it. Um, I would say some of our early challenges were gathering all of the nonprofit partners that now, fortunately we have, um, yeah. I mean, but when we first started, like I said, we literally had like a duffel bag of money. We, we didn't have a whole lot of like resources at all. So we were working on like park benches, just training. Um, our first maker actually was someone that I had known um, with Ray. So it was like one of Ray's old friends. And so she was learning how to make jewelry as we were learning how to make jewelry, which is just like a hilarious concept. Um, and then slowly but surely we were able to keep growing and then like moved into the back of the profit that we worked with and then we're able to get our own space. But but in the, especially in the beginning, I mean, gathering all of the resources that we envisioned, like transitional housing, career counseling, mental health counseling, financial training. Um, we didn't have any of that to start with. Really, all of that was like, sorry, <laughs> like, we're going to make some jewelry, you know. Um, but yeah, we're really fortunate to work with pretty badass nonprofits. Um, I would also say learning the jewelry industry was a major challenge that still exists. <laughs> Um, neither Corbin nor I have any background, to be honest, in jewelry. And we chose it mainly because it was something we could do with, um, pretty low startup capital, low barriers to entry, but really high competition. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, and we did like the metaphors of like creating beauty and we liked the idea of having products that people could wear and like share the story of, you know, and it was something that was kind of fun and metaphorical in that way. Did either, um, did either of you study business or economics at Vandy? Yes. Yeah. So I studied HOD and economics and he studied, he was such an overachiever. He studied history, political science, and economics with a minor in corporate strategy. Okay. Um, so you had some of the building blocks in place to prepare yourselves um, to start a small business. Yeah. I think we had the building blocks for the business side, not so much the like 
the the business itself side, if that makes sense. Like jewelry specific, we didn't have a whole lot of background in, but like the idea of like building a balance sheet, we like knew about, you know, which was yeah. helpful for sure. Um, so thank you, Vanderbilt. But <laughs> um, and and Corbin did have a background in graphic design, which not nearly the same as fashion design, but but close enough that we could start making jewelry and like modeling it in a software, which was necessary, obviously. Um, yeah, but learning the jewelry industry as a whole was difficult and is still something that is difficult. Um, but yeah, I mean, cause we evolved from first trying to make bangles and being like, okay, these are terrible. No one's going to buy these. And then like moving to beads and like only my mom and her friends would buy them. And then we were like, no. And then we moved to, you know, like metal products that were like dainty little chokers and things, but we outsourced really all of the, um, inputs and then just like assembled everything. And so, um, that was when we really started growing. People actually did buy those. Um, but that was almost more concerning from an ethical standpoint of like, we don't really know where these inputs are coming from. People can kind of say whatever they want. Like we can't audit their factory. We're not nearly (laughs) big enough to go like visit their factories. Um, and so that, and the environmental concern of like, we don't have any idea where they're getting these metals, um, was enough for us to then switch over to what we do now, which is, lost wax, uh, casting, which is actually a pretty advanced form of, um, jewelry making, especially for a company of our size. But we basically, um, like model different products, I guess it's kind of hard to explain without like visually showing you, but we Corbin models the products and then we print them on a 3d printer and wax. And then we, um, create a mold out of the wax version that we have a wax positive. So then we have like a negative of it Um, and then we fill that with recycled sterling silver and that's the actual product. Um, so that has been a big shift and is much more, I would say like industrial than the original, um, jewelry making process was, but, um, also performs a lot better in the market for sure. It's like actual jewelry now. Um, whereas before it was kind of like, we're making these on park benches, you know, um, yeah. And there's a lot more flexibility in like the type of designs that we can do because it's all just 3d printed at first. Yeah. So speaking to that, you know, that aspect of having an ethical supply chain and making sure that your, your product is sustainable. And in addition to fulfilling your social justice mission of, you know, providing transitional employment and, and housing through your partners to, to the Nashville homeless population, um, this is, are, these are all the hallmarks of a traditional social enterprise. And I'm wondering, you know, as someone that runs and has founded a social enterprise, how do you think that they provide an innovative approach to solving these types of social justice problems and creating a more equitable society? Yeah. Like how do we do that more uniquely than some? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think every social enterprise to some extent maybe has something that makes them like a little bit different. I think one of the things that makes us unique is the process we do for making jewelry. Kind of what I was just describing is much um, more advanced than a lot of like small businesses. Um, I also think the quality of nonprofit partners is um, unique in some way that we can provide transitional housing and all of that. Um, And then obviously a living wage is huge um, and something that we think is really important for each of our makers, obviously, so that they can, build savings and, you know, whatever their personal goals are from a place of stability. Um, yeah, I think there's some amazing social enterprises out there though. I don't in any way think that we're like the best social enterprise that's ever existed. Um, yeah, we have a lot of role models and like social enterprise friends that we work with that are great. 
Yeah, of course. Um, could you speak a little bit about some of those partners that you, you know, collaborate with in the Nashville community? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Community Care Fellowship was our first nonprofit partner. They are so gracious and let us work out of basically a storage room in the back of their nonprofit whenever we were first getting started, kind of like I was mentioning. Um, and they're primarily a day shelter in East Nashville. So they provide um, hot meals, warm showers, over-the-counter medication. Um, they have a lot of partners that come and so they can provide like mental health counseling, career counseling, all these different things like in their space. Um, and so we started by employing, well, that's not like whenever we started working with them, that's when we started employing some of their guests. Um, and then whenever we were able to move into our own space, now their primary role at Unlocked is helping with the mass releases. So, um, we work with urban housing solutions to provide transitional housing for each of our makers. Um, our goal being that they'll be in housing before their first day of work. Um, so it's kind of a housing first model. The truth is that's not always possible depending on like wait lists for different units and things like that. But, but we try and get as close as we can. Um, but anyway, so UHS rents CCF, the units, and then CCF is the one on the lease. And then our makers can move into the unit much faster than if they were applying on their own. Um, and they don't have to be as worried about things like evictions. Um, yeah. And so we ask that each of our makers pay one third of their income towards rent and anything over that we, with the help of CCF subsidize. Um, so it's kind of just like a security measure to make sure that one, they can get into housing um, effectively and quickly, but also that they won't be, you know, like evicted immediately if something goes wrong or anything like that, that, that we have their back kind of, and because it's a mass release and the lease is really in our name, um, they, they have a little bit of a safety net in that way, I would say. Um, yeah, so UHS, CCF, um, Dr. Renee Hall, I'm trying to figure out like the order I want to tell you, but Dr. Renee Hall is our career counselor. Um, she has a PhD in, um, I don't know the exact thing, but, but something along the lines of like education and development. Um, and so she created a whole curriculum for us and now works with each of our makers to go through things like, um, personality tests, but then all the way through, um, mock interviews, resumes, um, and then meeting with people in their like desired career field um, to get some networking and potentially job opportunities. Um, I, it's probably a great time to mention too that our goal is that each of our makers will um, graduate within six to 12 months, meaning they'll have a home and job of their own. Um, so we definitely try and set them up for success in that way with things like career counseling. So they're looking at different job opportunities and are able to transition into something else. Um, they also have the opportunity to turn the master lease into their own name whenever they're ready, meaning that they'll be able to stay in the unit that they were already in indefinitely, um, which is kind of a nice option. So they don't even have to look for another place if they don't want to. Um, yeah, we also work with mental health co-op for free mental health counseling sessions. Um, MHC actually refers a lot of their clients to us. So three people that we're working with right now, um, which is all of our people right now actually came from mental health co-op. Um, and we work with a licensed professional counselor. If anyone's not a client at mental health co-op, they can still get free mental health, um, sessions. Um, and then a lot of partners are just referral based. So like, like I was just saying, um, CCF and mental health co-op refer clients that can come be makers at Unlocked. Thistle Farms has referred before, mm -hmm. um, Room in the Inn, Renewal House, um, I mean, even just like the HMIS, which is like homeless impact division of Metro Nashville government, like the rapid rehousing part, um, they have caseworkers that refer people. Um, 
Catholic Charities, Salvation Army, like, you know, like kind of all the, the big players in like homelessness in Nashville, um, we've been able to reach out to and get referrals from, which is great. Um, yeah. And then like corporate, sorry, I know this is so many. No, um, I love hearing about this really rich network of community partners that you're working with. Totally. We're, we're very blessed in that way. Um, but yeah, then like corporate, I would say more partners. Um, Able is probably our biggest one. They are, you might already know. They're yeah, yeah. Nashville, or in Nashville. Um, but we actually have been manufacturing some of their jewelry for them and some of their inputs, which is kind of a cool pivot of recent where we um, now do like white label and off label production. And so that's a cool way for like larger companies with some sort of ethical slant to, um, yeah, have like a social and environmental, um, impact in, in even their manufacturing process. Um, yeah, we've also been doing wholesale with Thistle Farms, um, and they're lovely. Um, and a lot of like smaller boutiques around the country, but I would say those are the two biggest is Thistle Farms and Able. That's amazing. I love how involved you guys are in the Nashville community and how much interaction there is between these social enterprises and philanthropies and, you know, other organizations that are that are trying to tackle homelessness, which is obviously a hugely pressing question in the city, especially. Totally. Um, so you've alluded to a lot of the elements of the Unlocked Pathways transitional program, but could you give just a quick rundown of what it looks like for one of your makers who joins the program? And also, could you speak a bit to the success rates or, or you know, outcomes that, that occur for, for the makers that have graduated from your program? Yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of what I was saying earlier, this didn't exist in this capacity whenever we first started, but now what it looks like is um, the pathways program, first of all, is like part of unlock. So like they go hand in hand, they can't be separated. Um, we sometimes get confusion on that because they're like named differently, but they're both us. <laughs> um, yeah. And so pathways is really just like the pipeline of all of our nonprofit partners, um, in a more cohesive experience. And like, if you had to go to each of those places individually. So the first thing obviously is the housing piece with urban housing solutions and CCF, um, and then obviously starting to work with us and earning like living wages through that, um, paying a third of your income towards rent. And the goal is that you scale up so that by the end of your time at Unlocked, you are paying full rent um, and earning like, yeah, like working full time, um, which actually all three of our makers are already doing that, which is great. Um, yeah. And then um, weekly career counseling sessions, which has been harder with a lot of the like scheduling things going on recently. So now it's more like, every other week, every few weeks. Um, but the idea being that there's like consistent growth in your career goals, um, and ways of achieving those different skills you're looking for, um, bi-weekly mental health sessions, either through your counselor that you came in with already, or through our connections that we can help you find. Um, I'm saying you as if you're going to join, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I forgot to mention the, um, financial empowerment center, by the way, they do our financial training. So there's one-on-one like financial sessions that each maker goes through that can help with um, a lot of their personal budgeting goals, um, credit building, um, paying down debt, different things like that. Um, And creating bank accounts part of that too. Yes. So we actually um, help them get a like prepaid debit card on their first day of work. That's part of the orientation process. And so that's how we pay them is through direct deposits on their card. Um, We got those through something called like focus card. It's through bank of America. Um, but they have a savings account attached to that as part of it. Um, and obviously that's all free, but is 
a great way to like start really taking control of your finances. Um, especially with like some pretty substantial income, which if you were coming from, um, nothing or something way less than that, it can be good to like kind of set a, a rhythm of how to manage that. Um, yeah. And so each month, um, not necessarily each month, but there's basically seven phases and they're set up to be about a month each. Um, you have different like tangible goals that you're supposed to hit. And if you hit those goals in your like phase of the pathways program, then you progress to the next and earn a small bonus as a part of that, or just really a raise. Um, and so it's kind of incentive based based on your income and all of your like different goals. So it could be like in this phase one, all you have to do is like complete orientation and then meet with your counselors, all three of them three times. And then you move to the next, you know, phase, things like that. Um, and then the very, well, I guess the sixth phase, which is not the very last one, the sixth phase is the one where you graduate. And so that means you have um, a home of your own, meaning you either transferred the lease into your name or found a different home through like a um, housing navigator and a job of your own to support it. Um, and so once you have those two pieces, then we throw a big like graduation party and invite all your friends and family. Um, and then the very last phase after that is that you continue meeting with your um like financial, emotional, and career counselor for at least four sessions each after that. And if you do that, then you're eligible for um, a savings match of up to a thousand dollars. So it's kind of incentive to like keep going even after you've finished um, working physically at Unlocked. Um, Yeah. So it's a full spectrum, um, (laughs) which is cool. Um, So far we've worked with, I guess one, two, you should probably know that off the top of my head. <laughs> Three, four, nine women. Um, and in the beginning, pathways didn't really exist. So there wasn't like necessarily a graduation process. Um, but our first graduate was Gwen. And that was like right when we had started the process. Um, Gwen and Leticia both graduated that year. That was last year. Um, Gwen is now a pre-K teacher at the Dare to Dream Center in East Nashville, which is awesome. It's like literally exactly what she came in wanting to do. So that was great. That's um, amazing. Leticia was working as a janitor and then unfortunately got really sick. So she is staying with her family right now. She has cancer. So that's been hard. Um, we've actually had two women with cancer. Um, Miss B last year passed away from cancer. So that was really hard. Um, yeah. And then the three makers we have now, um, are all one month into the program. We basically like stopped the program briefly and like revamped everything and then restarted it. So they're the first group going through it from like start to finish. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that goes, because I think there's a lot more structure now, honestly, than there was before, mm-hmm. of, like required meetings with all of your counselors, things like that. Whereas before it was kind of like optional. Um, yeah. And so they're all in the second phase. They've just started um, of the program, but, but doing really well so far. That's exciting um, that you're going through all this growth. I love that. Lots of changes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it'll be really telling with this group too, because I think this structure has made it a lot easier to like visualize where you want to be, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So excited for that. Okay. Well, I don't want to take up too, too much more of your time. So I'll just leave with a concluding question. Um, are there any questions or topics that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to in this? And also how can our readers 
become involved with Unlock, either through financial support um, or by tracking your story and progress as a company um, or otherwise just supporting you in any way in the aftermath of both the tornadoes and during COVID-19, which obviously is disruptive to your business. Totally. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe I should talk a little bit more about the like sustainability aspect of the company. Um, yeah. I kind of already mentioned it, but everything is made with... Um, recycled sterling silver, like 100% recycled sterling silver. So that definitely eases the supply chain, but also just makes it really clear where everything comes from. We don't have to worry about any of like the ethical dilemma of like, you know, was this made with some weird labor practices or anything like that? And everything's recycled. Um, And so our two options are sterling silver or um, 14 karat gold vermeil, which is just like a really thick plating of gold, which we also do in our studio, which is like kind of crazy. That's a fairly advanced process, but Corbin loves that stuff. So that's good. Um, yeah. And every piece is handmade by one of our makers. So, um, it comes with a bio of the maker written by the woman herself. We think it's really important to like write for the woman herself, you know, that like they can share their own story and what they want to share or don't share. Um, yeah. And that each of their bios is also that they wrote themselves on our website. And so it's kind of a cool way to like, if you buy a piece, um, learn who made your product and then like go learn more about her story and like get updates of like how things are going yeah. and um, support her in that way. Um, yeah. So it's cool to create both the personal aspect and, and realize that your, your purchase like really supported someone, um, but also know that it's environmentally friendly and, you know, all of our packaging is recycled. Um, we don't use plastic. So we try and take that really seriously. Um, and also because our supply chain is so straightforward, it's a lot easier for us to be transparent about everything, you know, and like mm-hmm. um, track things like water usage, energy usage, and and set goals for ourselves to continue improving in that way, um, which we hope is the future of manufacturing. And I think there's a lot of evidence that it is, but um, it's exciting to be in some ways like on the forefront of that and and work with other amazing companies and see like how we can improve, you know. Um, so that's been really cool. Yeah. And then the easiest way to support us would be um, either to donate or buy jewelry on our website at becomeunlocked.com. There's like a shop all section and there's a donate section. Um, Yeah. And the donations help with things like um, housing subsidies for anything over a third of their income, all of the counseling I was talking about, you know, all of the like programmatic pieces. Um, Yeah. You can also find us on um, Facebook and Instagram at, at become unlocked. And Those are the main ways. You can also sign up for our newsletter on our website. Thank you so much for sitting down for an interview. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to sharing your story with all of Novel Hand's audience.